there and welcome into a brand new installment of the Career Competitor Podcast with me, Steve Meller. And as always, we're brought to you by the CG Sports Network and we are the show that seeks to light the competitive fire within you in order to jumpstart or optimize your career. I could not be more excited to be bringing to you four-time mountain biking world champion Brian Lopes to the Career Competitor Podcast today. So much incredible content coming from a guy that frankly has been there, done it, and gone back to do it time and time again. He is a born competitor. And for me personally, I'm always looking for more content when it comes to whether or not we are born with this trait of competitiveness or it is something that comes through life and through experiences. But in Brian's cases, he makes it very clear through numerous examples within our discussion here today. He is a born competitor, someone that started out on a BMX and started to work his way onto the mountain bike as he progressed through his competitive career to the point of where he was winning championship after championship, being heralded as one of the greatest to do what it is he does. And he is, and this is really the most interesting part, I think, of of the discussion here today. He's continually found new ways to challenge himself. He makes it really clear, actually, through our discussion that there is such a thing as an expiration date, if you will, when it comes to the way in which we are challenged, the way in which we are driven as competitors. So be sure to pay attention to that particular message and, of course, so many other pieces of great insight courtesy of Brian Lopes on the Career Competitor Podcast today. So without any further delay, let's just jump right into the interview. Four-time world champion in mountain biking brian lopes joins us here on the career competitor podcast today and i hope you all enjoy hey everyone before we jump into the interview today i just wanted to take the time to remind you that if you are listening to me on an apple device right now if you listen to me on apple podcasts be sure to subscribe to the show please leave me a rating as well it means so much in terms of the growth of the show so please go ahead and just click that fifth star i think we are worth it In terms of potentially other platforms that you're listening to me on as well, you can always find ways to follow the show on there too. In the meantime, make sure you're giving me a follow on Instagram, career underscore competitor. And lastly, make sure you're checking out careercompetitor.com, a really easy access to all of the episodes, to information regarding my competitive calls that I like to release on Mondays to start your week. And just in terms of reaching out as well, I love hearing from people. I love getting feedback. You can find a very easy way to contact me through the website as well. Okay, well, it gives me absolute pleasure to bring on Brian Lopez to the Career Competitor Podcast, first and foremost on what looks like a very sunny day where you are, Brian. How are you, man? I'm doing wonderful. Just getting my day started. Just dropped the kid off at school. Going to do this podcast with you, and then I'm going to... I'm going to head down south, go ride my dirt bike, and then uh, drive to Arizona, go do some uh, road riding and mountain biking and dirt jumping with uh, some people out there for a day or two, and then head back. Yeah, and so we've already started to get on to exactly what it is you do, and I, you know, the simple way of, of explaining to people who it is you are, you're a, a four-time world champion in the sport of mountain biking, but there's so much more to it, you're your bio, your resume, however you want to put it, it goes on and on and on. I've, I've looked into it and there's a number of achievements, but Brian, just fill everybody in on, on your career within the sport of, cause I know it goes beyond mountain biking at times. Just, just tell me a little bit about everything that, that is your career up to this point. Yeah. I started racing bikes at 
four and a half years old, raced uh, BMX uh, all the way into my early 20s. Um, around 19 or 20, started dabbling into the mountain bike scene and kind of over a span of about three years, just transitioned from BMX into mountain biking. You know, did did that full time uh, for many years, kind of dabbled in, in some other disciplines just for fun and for training, you know, some some road stuff, some cyclocross, some track. Um, but, you know, mountain bike has always been my my prime primary um, discipline. Uh, well, primarily like downhill, four cross, dual slalom, more the gravity enduro, more of the gravity uh, focused events. And yeah, now I'm, uh, 49 and still riding, I don't know, probably average of five days a week and still doing some races, Yeah, but you know, just kind of, uh, obviously not quite at the level that, uh, I once was. Um, but I, you know, I enjoy just doing a lot of product development and testing and, uh, you know, helping with content and stuff like that for mm. um, the companies that I work with. But like I just mentioned to you, I, I ride motorcycles a bit. Um, I've been really into the whole e-bike craze and uh, <laughs> upward rise over, over the last couple of years. Um, uh, one of my main sponsors is actually Yamaha Bicycles. Mm -hmm. So uh, I spend a lot of time riding e-bikes and uh, well, just this year, kind of doing a few races. I've already done a couple races this year. Going to do another one next weekend. Um, so doing doing a lot of that. Really, uh, we we could talk about that a little bit. That's uh, really opened my eyes a lot to just the routes that I can do now um, right. and the the things that I can ride up and the and and maybe a lot of the misconception that comes along with e bikes and you know them being uh, you know like easy or not, you're not getting a workout or, right. you know, all, all the things that, you know, people that, that are e-bike haters, you know, talk right. about that probably have never even ridden e-bikes. Yeah. I love the uh, very nonchalant way in which you just explain what it is you're doing. And it sounds like a lot of stuff, man. It sounds like you're very busy. Uh, and I think that's where you and I are certainly uh, very similar in that regard. It sounds like you you, you have a, a lot going on, plenty on your plate, but it doesn't sound as though any of it's really overwhelming you. You're kind of taking all in your stride and uh, you seem to have uh, a good amount of control over all these different ventures that you've got going on. And before I, because I, I, there's so many of those things that I definitely want to get into, but one thing that's always fascinated me in, in sports such as yours is the longevity that people are able to do it with. You just referenced there almost 50 years old, uh, a lot of people that do professional sport, there is this so-called lifespan. It probably, I, I would say the, the main exception to that is golfing, right? You know, golfers just play and play and play and, and, and something is physically aggressive at times as, as mountain biking is. How do you find that, that fire within you still? I know you said that some of this comes back to being able to sample products and, and, and give insight to people, but how much of this is just pure passion, pure competitive drive just to still want to show that you can do these things? I think uh, a very large percentage <laughs> is that uh, exactly, you know, yeah, I, I was never, I was never pushed to, 
you know, to be competitive or to go do these races. And I think that's just something that you're born with. And, you, you know, you make a decision if, if you want it bad enough and how much time and effort and uh, heart you'll put into it. You know, I, like I said, I, I have a kid, he's uh, seven and a half. People ask me all the time, oh, is he into bikes? Does he, you know, does he race? Does he like, mm-hmm. I'm like, nah, he's, <laughs> I mean, he, he rides a bike, but he's not like diehard. He's not like every day going, daddy, let's go ride, you know? Right. Um, he's more into soccer and playing with his friends. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just let him do what he wants. I think, I think, uh, I mean, growing up, you know, from such an early age racing, you know, I, I saw a lot of kids that were super talented as they were young and, and even into their early teens that just get burnt out, you know, and they, mm-hmm. they just quit or, you know, and kind of move on to something else. So I don't really believe too much in the pushing part of it. You know, I've, I've done um, some coaching over the years with other cyclists and motocross athletes and uh yeah i'm i'm not i'm not that kind of person who's like cracking the whip i'm like sure. dude if you don't if you don't want to do it like it's not affecting me it's, right. it's not my it's not my career that isn't right. going to succeed it's yours yeah. so um you know yeah so i i think uh, like i said a large percentage of it is just that just that inner fire i, yeah. I don't I don't know why I had it, yeah. but uh, well, dude. One thing I'd love to learn is just really as usually as these sports have evolved, um, you know, and I'll put it into this sort of genre of say like X game sports. Uh, you know, I think there's, there was a huge, huge drive within those sports through the '90s, and a lot of a lot of people became household names off the back of it. And one one thought I was just having here was that when you first started investing so much time and effort into mountain biking what did you know that you could actually go on and do with it did you know that you could be quote-unquote competitive with it was that something that you believe was a possibility yeah i did because there was some other bmx racers that were older than myself at the time that were making that transition over Mm -hmm. to mountain biking and they were having a lot of instant success Mm -hmm. um and just being aware that you know like for instance, at that at that time, like a, a a nice BMX bike probably would retail for I don't know five, six, seven hundred dollars, mm. right? And you know, a nice mountain bike at that time probably retailed for five thousand dollars, right? You know, so just seeing that demographic of uh, you know where that industry is as far as costs and the you know the the barrier of entry for people to get into it and the, and the, you know, it's just a more adult oriented sport. Mm -hmm. So with that, there was just, there was just more money involved in that sport. Um, But like I said, yeah, I saw a lot of older BMX guys that were making that transition and doing fairly well um, rather quickly. Uh, So I had a pretty good idea that, you know, I could, I could probably do halfway decent at least at the beginning. That's awesome. I think the, um, the 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 most interesting part about all of this is that it seems as though you were just so invested in the skill of of whether it was BMX, whether it was mountain biking, that you were just very present within your journey of just going from one stage to the next and and discovering your ability to compete with these other people. And you know, you you talked there about how your competitive drive comes from this fire within, and it doesn't need to be necessarily 
externally lit, uh, you know, as, as often as it, some people may need that to be. Talk to me a little bit about just your, let's say, ability to remain present within every single time you hop on the bike. Because I've, I've spoken with some elite level surfers as well, and they talk about this ability to be so present in the moment when you are out there on the waves. Just talk to me a little bit about where you are just sort of venturing through all these very difficult courses out there and that ability to, to not get distracted and be focused on what's happening in front of you. You know, every situation is different, but it's those times when, when you aren't as focused or you, you take things for granted where accidents happen or races are lost, um, mm. things like that. So, yeah, I think, I think the, I think the biggest difference in a lot of sports is really or what separates people at the top in a lot of sports is really just, just the mental part of it all. Right. Like, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of great bike riders out there in the world. Um, and some of them just, you know, crack under pressure or can't handle the pressure or just, you know, again, like I said, I, I've, I've uh, dealt with training a number of different athletes and, and motorcycles and bikes. And, you know, you see it, right. And you, you try to, as a coach, you try to, uh, you almost become more of a little psychologist too, right? You, you, everybody's different. Everybody works different. And just because, you know, one thing works for one person doesn't mean it works for another person. So, um, you know, like I tell people, I'm like, you know, th this could take a while to figure out, like, I can't just tell you to do X, Y, and Z and mm -hmm. magic's going to happen. Right. Like, um, some people, you know, like, like we, we said, probably require that, you know, that, um, cracking of the whip, you know, mm -hmm. and, and other people don't, some people need to be cal calmed down. Um, some people just need to be reminded of things, um, and encouraged and, and supported. So, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's different for, for everybody really. Yeah. <clears throat> and in terms of just looking now more so into your ability to still be competitive and your ability to still perform as you mentioned that you're going to be going to do some uh, some races here pretty soon how do you gauge how do you gauge success now how do you get, get off the bike when you're done and say shit you know i'm i'm really happy with what i did there or damn it like that just wasn't good enough like are you still holding yourself to that level of accountability as a competitor or are you just now more just enjoying each opportunity that you have I guess, you know, from competing for so long, you know, some, sometimes I don't, I don't look forward to the competition as much as just, you know, the riding and, you know, I, I wouldn't even say these days, like I'm training, you know, like I ride my bike a lot, but I'm, I'm not on any strict schedule. I'm not like, sure. you know, doing, doing certain things every day. I just kind of do whatever it's fun for that day or, you know, mm. some other people are riding or whatever the case may be. But, um, you know, I, I think I gauge success just off of how I think I did in the race. For instance, this race I did about a month ago, you know, granted I'm racing an e-bike, so it's a little bit different, you know, and, and this is kind of, it's kind of new for me and, and really for the sport, the whole e-bike racing and, and these bikes uh, that we're racing are class one bikes, So they, they have, uh, an assist up to 20 miles an hour and then the motor shuts off. Yeah. So you, you attack these courses a little bit different. And I'll give you an example, like maybe on a regular bike, you might, um, you might take a line where, 
you are carrying a lot of speed through a corner because you need to carry that speed down the next straightaway. Mm. Whereas on now on an e-bike, you might go like, shoot, I might, I might just take the inside. The inside line is a lot shorter. Mm-hmm. And now that I have a little bit of assist to get me back up to speed quicker, I could take that inside line. I don't have to worry so much about carrying the speed out of the corner. So there is a little bit different um, strategy there also because the bike only assists you up to 20 miles an hour. And, and typically the bikes are, are quite a bit heavier than a regular bike, you know, on, on average, probably around 20 pounds. So when you hit that 20 mile an hour kind of assist number and the motor shuts off, it's, it's a heavy bike to pedal, <laughs> right? You know, so now it takes a little bit different kind of uh, power, you know, to, yeah to pedal a 50 pound bike versus a 30 pound bike. Mm. And then you kind of get into like, okay, do I even try to pedal past that 20 miles an hour? Because it's so hard to pedal past 20. You're like, okay, I might go 21 or 22, but I'm like killing myself to do it. (laughs) So there's just like a lot of different, a lot of different things to think about. uh, But anyways, the first race I did this year, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of people in the e-bike class. So what, what I did personally for just, my own kind of goal settings was compare my times to the, the, the young pros Mm -hmm. that were on what we call, I'm just calling them analog bikes. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and in my head, there was three different courses. And in my head, I was like, I think I could, I think I could probably beat them on one of the courses because I thought maybe the bike would, would be an advantage, Mm -hmm. but the other two courses I thought would be a disadvantage. Mm -hmm. And um, it turns out in the end, um, I did beat, beat them all on the one course that I thought, mm-hmm. um, but I also beat them all on another course that I didn't think I had a chance to beat them on. Mm-hmm. And then on the third course, only one pro beat me by like a half a second. So it turned out, I was like, well, you know, maybe this bike isn't as uh, a disadvantage some of those courses I thought, or maybe I was just it was just hauling ass. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, so, I, so, 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 yeah, so long story short is I, yeah. you know, I, I gauged it as that was a successful race. You know, yeah. I was happy with, with my results and my times and I had, I had good clean runs. I didn't make any big mistakes. So mm. yeah. Yeah. That's, it's really cool. I, I, I just find it so fascinating in, in sport where, um, you know, you have, you have these, many, many years separation in, in age gaps and uh, just having come off the back of the NFL season, seeing a guy like Tom Brady winning another Super Bowl at his age and people talking about, you know, quarterbacks every single year coming into the NFL and, you know, this guy's the next big thing. This guy's the next big thing. And here's this guy, 41, 42, 43 years old, still putting, you know, great numbers out there. And I, I find it really cool that you're able at 49 to look at these younger pros and say, all right, you got a bike and I got a bike. We're going to, we're going to see what we can do today. We're going to compete. And I, I just think that's so incredibly cool, mainly because it proves that, you know, if you're good, you're good. And I, and I, and I just, I've always believed that I've never, I've never bought too much into, of course, there's physiological components to all sports, but I do believe sometimes that if you want it bad enough and you are good enough that these so-called limitations that people say are out there um really are there for either for you to believe or ignore and it sounds as though for the most part 
you just continue to ignore them and say, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm still able to do this stuff and I thrive under the, the ability to compete with these guys. And for me, that's, that's a lot of fun. Do you, when do you foresee yourself ever getting to a point and saying, Hey, okay, maybe now's enough. I've had enough. Oh man. I don't know. I try not to think about those kind of things. Yeah. I don't, I don't really think about the uh, stopman. Like I said, you know, some, I think maybe the, the, the competition part of it for me personally, I think it just, um, it gets a, a little bit draining sometimes only because I just put pressure on myself. Like I, you know, if I'm going to go race, like I'm going there to try to do the best I can do. Um, and I'm not just going there to have fun. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it is fun, but like, you know, people say that, like people even said that at this last race I went to, um, I won't get into the details, but they're like, ah, oh, it's just a fun race. I'm like, well, yeah, but it's a race. Like we're here to compete. Like, don't right. you want to do as good as you can? Mm-hmm. If you just want to go have fun, uh, that's fine. But l- let's just go ride then. If we're just mm-hmm. going to have fun, why are we, why are we signing up for a race? Um, so I don't know. I, uh, I don't really think about that too much. I, I, and I don't think about age really like, for, well, it's kind of funny. Like for me, I, I say, so my, in cycling, your racing age is how old you will be at the end of the year. So okay. my birthday is in September. So technically my racing age is 50 this year. Right. right. So when you kind of get into the uh, national um, and world uh, level races as a master, mm-hmm. they, they break them down into like five-year increments. Right. So like if I was to go do a, you know, a master's world championships, I would be in the 50 to 54, you know, age bracket, gotcha. which I mean, 50, 50 sounds old as shit to me, but <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't feel 50, you know, like, right. um, you know, I don't feel 50. I don't think I act like I'm 50. Right. I see, you know, sometimes I'll see somebody who's shoot. I don't know. Maybe they're only 30, but I think they're older than me. Right. Right. Like, right. Just that's how I, that's, that, that's how I have it in my head. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think age is like a, a big, uh, a, a huge factor. I mean, obviously at some point it starts, it starts coming into play, but, but for me, like I, I stopped kind of competing in my disciplines that I, you know, was, was really focused in on when I was like, 37 38 years old mm-hmm. is when I kind of stopped doing those and started doing some other disciplines and like enduro for instance I started doing that and and I was pretty high up there uh, as far as like a world level at that age in enduro but I mean the only reason I really stopped doing like four cross and songs and stuff like that at 37 is because I was just getting a little burn on it mm-hmm. I was kind of one you know, more than I ever imagined I'd win. And I was just right. like, what, I mean, is it really going to matter if I win another world championship or another right. world cup title? Like, I just like, man, I got, I've done it enough. Like it's time to move on, like mm-hmm. experience some other things in the world of cycling and uh, yeah. And just step back from that. I mean, I, I probably could have kept going. I don't see any reason why I could, couldn't have. Yeah. I just, I didn't really want to. Yeah. I think, I think that's a really important point though, because it, this this isn't a matter of just being in the same experience for 35 40 years you know this is something that you have found ways to ever so slightly make a reset or or refresh or recharge 
in some way, shape or form, make the challenge ever so slightly different. And I think for a lot of people listening to this, if, if you are feeling a little bit, you know, un, untested or slightly unsatisfied with the, 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 the era, the phase that you're going through within your career, it might just be because you've been doing this particular very specific area for too long and, it, and it's time to just find something new, but you can still remain connected to this world. I, I relate to this massively. It's partly why I'm doing this podcast. I felt as though in my role as a coach, I was only able to influence so much when it came to mentorship and being able to fuel people to compete. This, this for me was a different challenge in that. And it opens up so many different doors and I get to learn about mountain biking and things like that, that I knew I never necessarily would. So I think that's for me, it, it keeps me so honest. It forces me to challenge myself as a, as a competitor, even though it's a very different world to what you experience. But I think that's really important to people listening. Like this isn't someone who's been on the same bike doing the same course for 35, 40 years. This is someone who's, who's found different ways to challenge themselves when they feel as though they've maybe exhausted one uh, particular route that you've been going down. So that's, that's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I, and maybe I'm completely wrong on this, but um, I, I could see that like as a, as a swimmer, I could almost see that, that getting more exhausting just because like, I mean, how different is one pool than the other right. or how different is lane, you know, lane two versus lane four. Like right. at least when you're going to mountain bike races, it's not like a, an oval track that's cement, you know, it's sure. always a different track and there's different dirt and different scenery and, and all that stuff. But I, I think if I was, you know, swimming laps, like doing a pool, I would just be like, Oh man, I've, I've, I've done this, you know, right. in a hundred thousand times. Right. Like right. maybe now it's time to go like do ocean swimming. At least like I get sure. to go to different beaches and, you know, have a different scenery or, you know, have to deal with waves and <laughs> whatever else. Right. Like, I don't yeah. know. No, no, I get that. I get that. It's, it's partly why there is a very, very, um, well-established, let's say, shelf life when it comes to a swimming career. I think people just get sick and tired of looking at that black line at the bottom of the pool after a little while. So trust me, I, I get that 100%. Um, Brian, I, I want to go back to something that you mentioned there at the beginning with the all-kids bikes. Um, you know, I think going back, this really actually piggybacks nicely off what we were just talking about, finding some different challenges, finding alternative ways to be challenged, to be competitive. Firstly, tell us uh, a little bit about Orchids Bikes. And secondly, just sort of tell me uh, exactly what it is that's really gotten you so involved in it. Yeah, well, Orchids Bike is a nonprofit program where uh, the goal is to get every school, every elementary school across America to implement uh, cycling as a, a PE kindergarten class, you know, awesome. um, a lot, a lot of kids these days don't, don't grow up knowing how to ride a bike, you know, pro mm -hmm. probably the same, I would assume with swimming, you know, there's Absolutely. less pools out there, right. Less, mm -hmm. less people are learning how to swim and, um, uh, well, so swimming could be a, a life-saving, uh, 100%. you know, tool, um, yep. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, just a lot of, a lot of kids are not growing up learning how to ride bikes these days. And, um, I think that that just leads to, you know, all the other things that we already know, which is more kids, you know, spending time behind the screens and playing video games, not getting outside, um, not exercising, not riding their bikes to school. I mean, I, 
I, I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head, but I think, um, you know, it's a very, very small percentage of kids that ride, ride their bikes to school these days. And mm-hmm. I mean, I remember I, I rode my bike to school every day, mm-hmm. elementary school. Me too. Um, so, uh, yeah. So anyways, I think all kids bikes is doing a, is doing a great job by, by, uh, you know, just trying to implement it. It's the quickest way to, you know, get kids to learn how to ride bikes and introduce them to bikes is just to teach them at a very young age in school, make it one of their PE classes and all kids bike is trying to do it, make it as simple as possible for the schools. Right. We, uh, we raise the money, we deliver the bikes, we deliver the, the curriculum for the, and, and the instructions for a teacher to, uh, to follow mm-hmm. and the helmets and make the bikes go from, uh, a push bike to a pedal bike after a certain amount of time and yeah just make it a, a slam dunk easy you know one two three impl- implementation into a school mm. it's it's such a fantastic cause and you know you and i are very much cut from the same cloth in terms of his kids growing up just being outside and i was a bit more like your son i was trying to f- turn anything I could into a soccer goal and, and turn anything I could into a soccer ball. And I was just kicking stuff. Um, usually at the expense yeah. of the, usually at the expense of the shoes that my mom had just bought me or whatever it was. But <laughs> in terms of just the, that was just my life. I didn't know what it meant to be inside. And, you know, I think from a, yeah, you know, from just from the challenges that you're probably facing with this, how have you, how have you been able to maybe meet some of the resistances so far that probably come with, just as simple as getting a kid to, to leave his whatever console inside the house behind and, and just get outside. Have you, have you felt the resistance as, as being as significant as it seems to be? Well, I mean, like as a parent, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm also guilty of, you know, throwing the iPad in front of my kid as well. You know, sometimes <laughs> you just, you know, if, if uh, you know, whatever, if it's dark outside or if sure. it's raining or whatever, you know, it's just, it's, it is, easy and kind of just like a built-in babysitter at times but right. uh you know i always try to try to get the kid outside and just do anything whether jump on the trampoline or kick the soccer ball or go for a ride just try to try to get them out there and, and especially when we're on when our when we are on our bikes you know take them on little adventures and uh yeah i don't i don't know about you but when i was a little kid like I mean, we had a little bit more freedom but maybe the, the world was a little different then um as far as as far as freedom goes but uh yeah we just take off and go ride and you know go ride into the hills and you know dig jumps and make forts and you know just, just play and come back when the you know street lights were coming on or i heard my dad whistle and and so i think it i think the bike just you know gave me a lot of freedom and uh and ability to to roam and explore as a kid mm-hmm. you know and nowadays uh, you know in some ways things are are more difficult and in some ways in some areas cycling is 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 uh, is a lot easier for kids for instance like a a place like bentonville arkansas where um we did uh we did an event there last year in november and in in, um, the northwest arkansas area you know the infrastructure of cycling is um huge there Mm -hmm. and there's just hundreds and hundreds of miles of new trail being built all the time uh greenway bike paths pump tracks um all-weather bike parks um and so 
as as a kid growing up in and around those areas i mean it's it's a uh, you know game changer we have these things called pump tracks i'm not sure if you know what they are but they're basically just a bunch of little rollers and berms and right. and you usually they're they're uh, well back in my day they were they were made out of dirt but now they're uh, a lot of them are made out of asphalt or concrete uh, just for the simple reason that there's no maintenance right once you kind mm-hmm. of build them they're, they're there and uh, when I go to some of the bigger pump tracks out here in California like I'm blown away how many kids are there you know whether yeah. they're on scooters bikes skateboards I mean it's just packed yeah. Is, is, so I think if, if the kids have something fun uh, to ride, you know, they'll, they'll get out there and, and sure. they'll want to be outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, I think that's but, the, that's probably the next step I'm assuming with, with all of this is it's one thing to get the bikes into schools and to, to provide curriculum and, and really encourage them to get on their bikes. And I'm sure there's a whole nother, you know, step to this that's maybe required eventually where you're trying to encourage local local governments, councils to really provide opportunities for all these, hopefully many, many tens and hundreds of kids that are suddenly now making a demand like, hey, I got a bike, I want to use it, give me somewhere to use it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and all these, all these cities and um, areas are different. So it just, kind of depends what they have to work with but like mm. i mean even in like new york city there's a pump track right yeah. in new york city right on the bay it's uh it's it's, it's pretty amazing mm-hmm. um you don't really need a, a huge area to build something like a pump track yeah. um it's it's relatively small area i mean i mean i i could i could build like a pretty fun pump track just on the the plot of land that my house is on you know right. which is only a six six thousand square foot lot um so yeah but it's uh, you know and I, i'm still learning um and just trying to work with with great people you know like like all kids bikes and and other people that i'm i'm uh, uh i'm meeting along the way to to help kind of facilitate it because you, you know like I, I i try to bring every like every kind of analogy that I have in my life is I always try to bring back to like what I know best, which is, you know, racing or riding bikes, you know, probably like you swimming, you know? And like, I tell people, I'm like, like if somebody says like, Oh, why don't you get a pump track, you know, built in Laguna? I'm like, man, to be honest, I don't really even know where to start. Right. Like, I don't know. I don't know the process. I don't know who to talk to. I don't know, you know, the, the lingo to use with these people, you know, I'm not going to know how to answer a lot of questions, but I would, I would love to be a part of a team and, and help where I can um, be of most value to somebody that knows how to push that through. Mm-hmm. I go just, just like, you know, uh, if, if I try to do it on my own, it might take me five years and somebody else might, they might be able to get it done in six months. Right. You know, like, I don't know anything about it. It's kind of like, you know, if you take me to the pool, like it's going to take me friggin' an hour to swim a mile and it's going to take you, you know, 10 minutes. You know, you know, it's like, you're more efficient. You're better than me. Like swimming is not my thing. So, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, it all makes perfect sense. And I think, I think it's so, it's so pivotal to have someone who, who has been there and been doing it on two wheels the way you have for so long now. Tell people where they can find out more about yourself and just follow you online, et cetera. Well, you know, I guess my, my Instagram is just Brian Lopes, Twitter, Brian Lopes. I, 
I, I, I have Twitter and Facebook, but I kind of, I kind of try to keep it just uh, as simple as Instagram most of the time. Um, yeah. You know, the whole, the whole uh, social media stuff, it, it, it's a little bit of a job in itself. That's where, that's where you show your age, I assume. <laughs> yeah, def- definitely. I mean, when people talk about like YouTube and TikTok and all this stuff, I'm like, oh man, I don't yeah. even know. Like, right. I'm lucky if I can, you know, find a few things to post every week, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like, it, it just kind of becomes a job in itself. And Absolutely. some people are amazing at it. And, and, you know, I, I was just having this conversation with somebody recently. I was like, man, it's like, I get it. And I like to post stuff and, you know, show people and encourage people and, and, and get cool messages from people and stuff. But sometimes I just want to go ride. Like, I don't want to, have to worry about like, Oh, let's film this. Or, oh, let's right. shoot this. Like, or, yeah. let me get my GoPro, you know, right. I'm going to go shoot this or that. Um, but yeah, anyways, just Brian Lopes on Instagram. And of course, of course, uh, all kids bike, uh, dot org. Uh, you can, you can go there and learn, learn more about all kids bike and, uh, how you can get involved. Brian, listen, man, absolute, um, such an absolute pleasure having you on. And uh, I'm really glad we've been able to do this and all the best with everything going forwards. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll talk again in one of these days. Such an amazing opportunity to have Brian Lopes join us on the show here today. And again, like I alluded to at the outset of this particular episode, I just love and admire the way that Brian has found new ways to constantly refresh the challenges that he has within his life he has this ability it seems to actually see beyond the the moment where he can plateau or potentially even regress and find these new challenges before he may even detect that he 100% needs them and I think that's a, a incredible skill just an innate ability to understand the the need for him as an individual to find new challenges before anything within his life becomes stale. And I think that's a, a takeaway for you, the listener, to really hold on to. Uh, maybe there are moments within your life today that you find yourself getting a bit stale with things and you could potentially find some uh, new ways to uh, reinvigorate yourself when it comes to your career and, and, and certain opportunities that you have within your day-to-day. Just certainly some great food for thought there, and I'm sure there's one or two other components within our discussion that you were able to take away as well. So again, cannot be more humbled, more appreciative of Brian's time. Someone who, frankly, is one of the greatest to have done what it is he does, and uh, I, I such a blessing for us on this show to have him come by and, uh, and and share so much incredible insight and wisdom in relation to being just the the optimal competitor that he is within his world. So hopefully you really enjoyed the discussion as much as I did. In the meantime, make sure you're giving us a follow, subscribing, all the stuff that I always encourage you guys to be doing. Let your friends know as well. I always appreciate people passing along the message of our show to others. And I really think that an episode like this is a, a great example of what it is we provide in terms of what we're trying to do with this show. So don't be shy. Let your friends know. Tell them what we're doing here. And uh, as always, I appreciate you all listening, taking the time out of your day to become a little bit more fired up uh, in relation to your career, finding new ways to, to optimize your growth, optimize your performance. So in the meantime, best of luck with everything you've got going on. Look forward to speaking with you all again very soon. Bye for now.